Well, hello there, and happy Friday. Welcome to episode number 359 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell. I'm from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And with me today are Trisha Brown and Jess Pride from Book Riot's When in Romance podcast. We are going to go full meta over here, so strap in. We are talking about podcasting on a podcast. And we talk about different show formats, choosing topics, and how their show comes together. We also talk about how they decide to cover different topics and what happens when you try to recommend a book to a broad audience whose tastes you don't always know on an individual level. Now, in terms of content and trigger warnings, I want to mention that when we talk about older romances in a broader sense, we talk specifically about the prevalence of rape in classic historicals. So if that is a topic that might upset you, you want to skip ahead when we start talking about making recommendations. Do you have questions or ideas or suggestions? Do you want to suggest a podcaster that I should talk to? You should email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a message at 12013713272. Or you could just tell me a really bad joke because as you know, if you listen to the end of the episode, I like really bad ones and I have a spectacularly bad one today too. <laughs> This podcast episode is brought to you by Dating by the Book by Mary Ann Marlowe. After her fiancé left her at the altar, romance author and bookstore owner Maddie Hansen swore off men until an influential blogger going by the name of Silver Fox leaves a scathing review of her latest book and accuses Maddie of not knowing anything about passion. Desperate to prove him wrong, Maddie decides to pursue not one but three handsome men in her store's book club. Marianne Marlowe puts a modern spin on beloved classics like The Shop Around the Corner and You've Got Mail with a sparkling tale of romantic fiction full of flirty fun and rom-com action perfect for fans of Jasmine Guillory's The Wedding Date and Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. Dating by the Book by Marianne Marlowe is on sale wherever books are sold and for more information you can visit kensingtonbooks.com. Every episode of this here podcast gets a transcript, which is hand compiled by Garlic Knitter. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. This week's transcript is being brought to you by the wonderful people in our Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are helping me continue the show each week, and you're making sure that every episode is accessible to everyone, which is very important to me and to the people who read and listen at the same time or one or the other or, you know, both. It depends on how you feel. Either way. If you would like to join the Patreon community, please have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month. And when you make a pledge, you are saying that this show and the effort behind it means something to you. And for that, I am deeply, deeply grateful. I also have a compliment. This compliment is for Tess M. Tess, you can have a meal with anyone on the planet and it is going to be a great time. You are flawless as a dining companion, and everyone in the restaurant, when you go out, kind of wants to sit at your table. At the end of the episode, I will be telling you about the music that you are listening to. And of course, I will have links to all of the books and lots of books. Gosh, there are so many books and movies and episodes that I talk about in this episode with Trisha and Jess. I will have a absolutely screamingly terrible joke that I'm really enjoying, and it is, in my world high bad joke season because my kids are at camp and when I send them mail I put bad jokes in there so you know that I'm sending these jokes to teenage and adolescent boys they're going to be truly truly terrible so I hope you stick around to the end of the episode to enjoy this one I have a full set I'm really excited it is bad joke season in my house 
But now, let's get on with the episode with Trisha Brown and Jess Pride from Book Riot's When in Romance. I am Jess Pride, or Jessica, if you really want to call me that, I respond to either one. I am a contributing editor for Book Riot. I write their Kissing Books newsletter, which goes out twice a week. You should subscribe. And also, while I'm here, I am a co-host of the Win in Romance podcast with Trisha. Yay! And I am Trisha, and you can call me Patricia, but I probably won't respond because nobody calls me that, and I won't know who you're talking to. Uh, <laughs> so I'm Trisha Brown. I'm the other host, as Jess mentioned, uh, of When in Romance, Book Riot's romance uh, podcast. And I, Jess, you've been writing for Book Riot for longer than I have, but I've, I've been doing it for three or four years now. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I'm. I think I'm on year five. Wait, wow. That. Wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Isn't it weird how time just do, does this thing where you look back and go, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> time just does this strange. thing where it continues to pass. It's a thing. <laughs> how dare and, it? Right? And then it speeds up when you don't want it to, and it slows down when, when you wish it would just hurry the heck up. Yeah. It really does. Very true story. So, so tell people who may not be aware, although I'm not sure why, about your podcast. Yeah, so When in Romance is one of uh, Book Riot's genre podcasts. There's a Woo-hoo. mystery and suspense podcast called Red or Dead. There's um, SFF Yeah, which is the science fiction fantasy podcast. And the thing that I think most of the Book Riot genre podcasts have in common is that unlike a lot of book podcasts, we don't generally interview authors, and mm-hmm. we don't always talk specifically about books. We talk a lot about news well, we do talk about books, but we don't take, you know, an episode and talk about one specific book. Um, we'll talk about news, uh, topics of interest, you know, like what is it about romance series that does or doesn't work for us? Um, our own personal reading styles or preferences are something that we get asked about a lot. So, for example, I, and this is Trisha, I reread and Jess doesn't. Um, and then we do always oh. throw out a few recs uh, based on a theme, you know, um, whether it's older couples or couples who uh, don't want to have children, a lot of those tend to be um, inspired by the uh, requests and questions that we get as well. I don't know what you would add, Jess. Yeah, I I think that that mostly covers it. One thing that we do do, um, as Trisha mentioned at like the beginning of that spiel, is we talk a lot about news. And I think one of the things that I really like is being able to take things that are happening on the Twitterverse that a lot of people might not be aware of and sort of um, be able to pare it down to what might actually be happening instead of, you know, like gossip and rumors. So mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that we really try hard to do on Win and Romance on top of book recs and why I don't re- reread and Trisha does. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, I would say too that with our, we're very conversational and unscripted. And to the most part, or for the most part, what we say as we are recording on a Thursday evening is pretty much what you get. Um, we do have a wonderful sound editor, Jen, who tries to fix up the sound quality as much as possible. Um, yeah. But unless we trip over something or, and then, you know, correct it, she doesn't edit for content. So uh, you are getting straight from our mouths what is coming from our brains for better or worse and sometimes uh, we're very sorry yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and if you look at the uh, reviews of our show, you can see that some people have some feelings about that. They are, not everybody is on board with that particular style, but we like it. I feel like yeah. it makes it a little more off the cuff. Yeah. Now, I noticed one of the questions I wanted to ask you about was that you're covering news, which is really difficult when you're doing a weekly show because uh, what's news on Twitter changes on the half hour. Mm-hmm. How do you decide what topics you're going to focus on and how do you, like you said, pare down to the essentials of pieces of news? Trisha and I sort of start a conversation early on in the week about things that might be happening is if it's a, oh man, this blew up, maybe we should talk about it. Or do we really want to address <laughs> this again? Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Yeah. That's how you know, by the way. That mm-hmm. is how you know that you've been around for a while. It is this simultaneous delight at the familiar and exhaustion like, oh, wait, this again? Really? Mm-hmm. This is yeah. happening again. Wow. Mm-hmm. So on one hand, you're like, oh, I'm already fluent. On the other hand, it's like, wow, again? Yeah. On the other yeah. hand, it's, wow, should we just rerun our episode on the Ritas from last year? Because yeah. <laughs> the more things change, the more they don't. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I will say too, I think, um, so, and we're actually bi-weekly, so not even weekly. So sometimes we right, are, right, right, right. so we record on a Thursday, the episode drops on a, the Monday, four days later. And we have actually been in the situation more than once where something sort of ridiculous will happen literally the day after we recorded. So it's mm-hmm. like two and a half weeks before <laughs> oh, the episode no. actually drops. And I think it can be a little bit tricky. Like Jess said, we do talk through like, do we want to get into this or do we want to just like let this one go? Um, but a lot of the news, and gosh, you know this as well as anybody, Sarah, is ongoing and reflective of larger issues and themes that are going yep. on, right? So I think the, actually, the Rita's is a fairly good example because I think the announcement for those came the day after we had recorded. We'd recorded a little early that week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a helpful turn of events for us, uh, two and a half weeks later, there was still a conversation going on. So we were able to kind of update folks and let them know what was going on. I think, too, that there's in some ways the delay is really helpful for us because we're not going to get caught up in one Twitter thread or a conversation du jour that kind of burns bright for a day and then totally flames out. It does kind of allow us to have just a little bit of distance to reflect on what are people still talking about two weeks later? Like what actually is registering in that way that is, is sort of important. Yeah. That way we get to do sort of a 2020 style recap instead of daily news kind of thing. And it, it really helps to be able to just sort of get all of the things in order. Even if we're pulling Twitter threads, we, we have like a whole, grouping of things that we can address maybe from different points of view and all of that. So that mm-hmm. that's really helpful. Um, it sucks that we can't be like, Oh my gosh, this thing just happened. Let's talk about it. Usually. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it does happen Thursday, like something happened a Wednesday night and we had to record Thursday and I was like, Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> We're like, Oh, I need an extra half hour to actually read the Twitter about whatever is going on. Yeah. It's still I- too hot. I can't touch it. It's like mm-hmm. too hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still boiling guys. Really? Yeah. Well, and the thing too that I don't think either Jess or I mentioned is that we also both have full-time jobs. None of us work for Book Riot full-time. So, you know, I'll get home from work and sometimes we're we're generally, I'm all over the place this year, but we're generally in different time zones. And so 
you know, Jess is like, I need half an hour to actually read and figure out what happened today so that we can talk about it. Um, is that's the other end of the spectrum of the, you know, two and a half weeks difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we have going for us is that that's kind of the more reflective. I love Jess's um, 2020 style uh, metaphor because I think that's right. And the thing that we have going for us is that Jess's newsletter, the Kissing Books newsletter is twice a week. So that actually does end up picking up. She you know, can stick a lot of the news, the more day-to-day news in that newsletter, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which allows us the flexibility to, to you know, pause and look for some of the broader themes in a biweekly podcast. Yeah, that does come in handy. And it also <laughs> helps me like get my thoughts in order in writing. Which is, so, which is important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that when I have to come and talk words, um, <laughs> yep. it, it, it comes out a little more concisely than I want it to. Mm-hmm. And, you and plus ask- the, the, the time yeah. gives you that sort of 35,000 foot view of the issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you asked a little bit about how some of our uh, topics come about. And one of the ways is Oh, that I will, before I send Jess that email on like a Monday or Tuesday before a Thursday recording, I will take a look back at all of the Kissing Books newsletters and figure out what actually happened the last two weeks that maybe feels like it was yesterday or maybe feels like it was three months ago, but it was actually <laughs> since the last time we recorded. Yep. That was yesterday. Oh my God. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh gosh. Time once again. Yeah, Just, well, and uh, Romance Landia is always always hopping. There's always something going on. There's always something, always mm-hmm. something. What What are some of the topics that you look at and go, well, hmm, oh boy. I mean, I think that again, the readers again is a great example because although it it's not fun, and although it does feel a little bit like Jess was talking about earlier, like again with the like inclusion issues and the, I mean, are we ever going to? I mean, the Ripped Bodice Report is another one. It seems like we have at least every eight weeks. So every four episodes, we have a conversation about inclusion and diversity and romance. But one of the cool things about the Rita conversation is that it does help educate readers about Mm -hmm. why some of that problem exists, right? I, you know, I was able to mention a little bit that I had talked to some of my friends who had judged other competitions, and they were blown away by the fact that if you submit, then you also judge. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so being able to kind of educate people who wouldn't be listening to the podcast if they weren't at least a little bit interested uh, about the nuances of how some of this stuff happens and why some of these issues arise is actually really interesting. And we we end up getting a lot of, oh my gosh, I had no idea, which is kind of a cool, a cool thing. I will say too, I, you know, it's it's important and I think really valuable and sticks with us when we get to talk about those kinds of important topics, but it's also really fun. Um, I was looking back through some of the episodes that we've done. It's also really fun when we get to do just something like fun and kind of random. Like uh, our third episode, the RT awards had come out for last year, which uh, RT is you know no longer, and so the awards are no longer. But the awards were just so bonkers. They're just like <laughs> it was oh. stuff like the best mid-length novel featuring a policeman who is still trying to make detective. Like yeah. those kinds of like really bananas categories. And so then Jess and I kind of made up our own like really bananas award categories to give to random books. Um, 
that which was, was just fun. like really fun. Or uh, we did a mid-year episode that we'll probably have to do again or have the opportunity to do again in the next uh, month or two mm-hmm. of like, I made up a weird like when in romance mid-year quiz for Jess that we just <laughs> talked through. And she won because she was the only person. She got the highest score ever on the first ever uh, mid-year when in romance quiz. You know, so like that kind of stuff yeah, is mean. just... It's exactly. I mean, yeah, it was a really big day. Uh, But that kind of stuff is just fun, like to have the opportunity to once in a while, like remind ourselves of the fun and joy that exists in romance is, is, I think, equally, well, maybe not equally important, but it feels pretty important, um, you know, even though it's it's cloaked in humor and like sort of silliness. I think it's equally important um, because like we get to do things like our short-lived maybe will be revived again book club because i don't get to talk in depth about books very much and i mean if you listen to when in romance you know sometimes like my book recommendations are just like brief squeeing and you gotta read this it's so good like so being able to use real words and real descriptions and go in depth about one specific book is really fun and i get to talk with trisha about it and we get to talk with people who comment or tweet or send us emails too. And that was really fun. Yeah, that is really fun. When the, um, now I can't think of the book club that's doing the um, books that were written by authors of color for, that were nominated for Rita's. Romance Sparks Joy. Joy. Yes. Yeah. When those folks are wrapped up, we'll probably jump back into that. We didn't want to step on their toes in the meantime. So, I, one of my questions is actually, what are some of your favorite episodes and discussions? And Tricia, you mentioned that you've been going back in your archives and looking. Are there other episodes that you want to talk about specifically or mention as things that you really enjoyed doing? I will say that um, only, like I said, I, I did love our episode three, which was our made up RT awards, where maybe to <laughs> do something like that again. Uh, episode 13, which was our uh, mid-year quiz. I will say the other one that I really that really stuck out to me when I was looking back, we are, um, as I mentioned, not a, a podcast that tends to have authors come on and guest, but we've had a few. And uh, the episode with Re- Rebecca Weatherspoon in particular, mm-hmm. um, was episode 22 for us, was one that we have, that was not only really interesting and fun to do because she is wonderful and such a good guest, um, but her insight was so interesting. So when we do have authors on, they essentially operate as another host. So we're not interviewing them. We're not really getting too deep into their books or their background. We ask them their opinions on the same news stories or book, you know, topics that we are discussing. And one of the things that we were discussing the week that Rebecca was on was book covers. And we have kind of referenced back to that conversation a couple of other times on the podcast, in part because she's just really insightful and um, her kind of thoughtful commentary as an author is something that we wouldn't between the two of us, although Jess and I are great, uh, have been able to do on our own. So that's, yeah, that's another, that's one of my favorite episodes um, that we've done. I I will throw out that even though the content was nothing out of the ordinary for the two episodes, Trisha and I actually got to record together that was that was those are highlights for me because we got to sort of snuggle over one microphone which we don't get to do mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> and both of those were the most recent one was at book lovers con and the one before that was at what book lovers con used to be which was rt um and so like we were both sort of basking in the joy of 
being around romance people and also having to talk about things that were bonkers on the internet. And <laughs> it was just kind of a, a, a nice face to face. We could sort of look at each other and make faces and that kind of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, yeah, that is actually really fun. Um, Jess is right. When we're recording from one microphone, it's a challenge for our sound editor, but uh, it is more fun for us to be like handing notes or like looking at a book and being like, was it this one? Were we going to talk about this? Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, that is a lot of fun. Yeah. Being in the same space creates a different energy and Absolutely. at least a different conversations too. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it, it also like kind of makes for some slightly more fun anecdote. I mean, like, so our book lovers con episode from a couple of months ago is the shortest. Ep- oh gosh, I guess maybe only a month ago is the shortest episode we've ever done. Partly because we had to turn the air conditioning off in the hotel room <laughs> in New Orleans in May. It was so hot, but we couldn't have the background noise of the hotel because hotel air conditioning is so loud. So oh, we yeah. had to turn it off. And so we both were like a little bit shorter on content because we were at the con, but also we were like, okay, we're getting so sweaty. We just have to stop. Like, this has to be where we end. Yeah, yeah, it was really hot. And it's and it's and it's and it's an interesting sort of dynamic when you get to see someone's reaction and and not just hear it. Uh-huh. Yes, it's it's mm-hmm. lovely that way. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, and we actually have for most of our run, we have recorded on Skype over video Skype, um, and we recently switched to Zencaster, but I think we might be switching back to Skype. So um, we can, uh-huh. as long as the internet connections are are strong enough, we can <laughs> keep an eye on what yeah. the other one is doing and how they are reacting, and um, you know, we'll occasionally reference that too, like. Nobody else can see how my my massive hand movements of whatever, but Jess can vouch for the fact that I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> I'm talking with all my hands right now. So are you switching back to Skype for the visual? Uh, it's more, I think it's more of a sound quality thing. Our amazing, um, the amazing Jen Northington at BookRite coordinates all of our podcasts. And so she listens to, I think, all of them and has to- right kind of figure out um, what and where and how. And so she has uh, offered us the reflection that the sound quality tends to be a little bit better on GarageBand. And so we'll still use Zencaster for guests because it's so much easier to toss on a a third person. Mm -hmm. But um, And actually some folks use Slack. Um, I I did a guest podcast with Liberty Hardy on all all the books a month or so ago. And um, she uses Slack. So uh, people use different things, but I think we'll be moving back to Skype and recording on GarageBand. Um, and I think it's a, quali- a sound quality issue. Mm-hmm. That's That makes sense. I go back and forth about what option is, is going to work the best and the easiest. There's mm-hmm. a lot of post-production considerations. Mm-hmm. And we have um, one of our podcasts. Um, I don't think I'm out of line in saying the uh, our nonfiction podcast, both of the podcasters on that are not Mac users, so they can't use GarageBand. So then they have a slightly different um, equation there too. Like I said, Jen Northington, there's a special place uh, in the afterlife for for Jen because she's wrangling all of this and and offering us great guidance and she's just so patient. So um, yeah, she's wonderful. Oh, she's the greatest human. I love her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, she's wonderful. She really is. So what other things have you learned about podcasting and about romance podcasts in particular? What are some things you like about doing your show? One thing that I learned very quickly is that you will never remember the title of that book you want to talk about if you don't nope. write it down. 
Nope. So <laughs> yes, you can't like, see me, but I'm nodding emphatically right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> it's yep. like I read this book yesterday. I looked at it a million times, and I didn't write it down because it was like, oh yeah, I have to remember that one. What's it called? Who's it by? What the mm-hmm. What's the cover look like? No, <laughs> not a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree, and I will second that. Um, I have had more than one situation where I have not been able to remember the names of the main characters. So I just refer to them as like one person is a carpenter (laughs) and the other person is an MMA fighter. And the MMA fighter person is this because I, I mean, you guys, I think are in the same boat when you read so many books. Mm -hmm. For me, the the name of someone is not the thing that sticks out. Uh, So this is why we have help a bitch out because it's like, Mm -hmm. I remember this one scene where this guy does this thing with a ferret and like five years (laughs) will be like, yes, Mm -hmm. I know exactly what book that is. That was Uh his ferret love volume two. Exactly. Uh No, 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 it wasn't that one. It was his ferret love volume four. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. You're Um, not alone. You're not alone in that, which is part of why I started logging my reading because somebody's like, do you recommend this book? And I'll be like, I'm, it sounds familiar. Maybe I read it. I don't know. Like, look, <laughs> Maybe, but who's to say? Yeah. Who uh, I think, yeah, I think for me that beyond the sort of technical things that I've learned about podcasting, cause I had never podcasted a day in my life before I doing this. Um, mm-hmm. and the humility that comes, cause I do our show notes. So I listen back to the episode. Uh, and so the humility that comes not from hearing the sound of your, people are always like, Oh, I don't want to listen to the sound of my own voice. Like, Oh, you get over that really quickly when you have to listen to all the dumb stuff you said, like, Oh, yes. I have no problem listening to my voice. Now I'm worried more about the words that that voice was saying. Uh huh. Uh, so that's a challenge. I think the the biggest thing that for me, especially as we're getting into having done this for about a year and a half, is how do you keep the topics fresh? Because, you know, Jess mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, like, are we doing this thing again? And you don't want to just rehash the same topics or keep recommending the same books mm-hmm. over and over again. Because I think at this point, we have a pretty solid core audience of folks who have heard us do that. So trying to figure out like, what do we do next? What comes next? How does that work? Is a challenge that I hadn't really anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when I like fall behind in reading, like um, I'll, I'll talk more about this later probably, but like I started seven books this week and finally finished one yesterday. And that's the worst feeling. So when it's like, Oh, I can't talk about any new books. What do I do? I guess I'll go really far back because that's the stuff that I haven't talked about here. Um, But even that can be a little bit of an issue, right? Because if you're going back too far, mm -hmm. like I have found, one of the things that I found, and I don't know if this is the case for either of you, but there are books that I will read and even books that I will enjoy on some level, but that are, that I'm not comfortable recommending. Yeah. So I think, we actually had a situation, and I, I don't remember if I ever re-referenced it on um, the podcast, but we were uh, we did an episode a while back where we were talking about like old classic romances. And the two oh, that yeah. I talked about were um, Indigo by Beverly Jenkins, which totally holds up. That's an amazing book. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, I think it was Morning Glory. It was yeah. a Girl Spencer book. And Ooh, that's after a classic it is. And I was classics. like, yeah, like these are books. I mean, Morning Glory is an 80s book. Indigo is like late 80s, maybe early 90s. And mm-hmm. so that was the thing. You know, we were talking about these like super old school romances and how great they are. And I had thought of Morning Glory because of a conversation um, between two people for with whom or for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect uh, who are talking about books on Twitter. 
And I recommended it, talking about it. I was like, this is great. And then I started rereading it because I was like, oh, now I've made myself excited about this book. And I started to reread it. And I was like, ooh, there are some things in here that don't quite stand the test of time. Like this Mm. is, I'm not saying nobody should read it. And I'm not saying it isn't still a classic romance, but the 1980s context is very much there. Yeah. It's Um, not just shoulder plaids and cigarettes. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, There's like, (laughs) yeah, there's a little bit of like weird, like racial and ethnic appropriation. Like there's just kind of some stuff that I would have at least warned folks about, but because I'd read it four or five years before, and I just remembered Mm -hmm. really enjoying it. I, four or five years ago, I wasn't reading with a lens of what do I owe someone who is listening to a podcast who might deserve a warning about content that is problematic in that way. You know, it's Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is tricky. Mm -hmm. It is. And it's, it's also, it also can be difficult, I think, sometimes to put a book in context when it was published 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like I have a deep, deep, soft spot of nostalgic love for a, a, an old Catherine Coulter title, Midsummer Magic. This mm-hmm. is the first romance I ever read. And I think that's part of the reason. It's a very big part of the reason. But it's also a hero who is in a position where he's trying to do the right thing by a lot of people, but he's still a complete jerkwad about it. Mm-hmm. And so I went in willing to forgive him for a lot because context, age, um, mm-hmm. my own uh, my own maturity, the maturity of my brain at that time was a completely different place. And I can talk about that book at length. Mm-hmm. But there's also the fact that he has to use cream to ease his way because they are not willing to have sex with him because they are in a arranged marriage. And she pretended like she was ugly because she wanted him to pick someone else like her sisters and he's like nope i want the ugly one because i can park her in the country and then i can go back into the city and i can totally bow my mistress this will be great mm-hmm. but we got to consummate so hold still and i'm like wow this is a whole layer cake of things that i would need to contextualize mm-hmm. and yet i still have this deep nostalgia for this book that i i carry with this sort of cautious um i wouldn't say uh optimism like I, I don't think anyone who is a reader beginning romance right now would pick up that book and be like oh yeah this is great they'd be like <laughs> what the hell is this yeah 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 but at the same time i can be like listen i have a lot of fuzzy feelings about this book and i see it in context and i see it through nostalgia at the same time and that's a hard lens to communicate to someone who may not have that same nostalgia they're that their reading started in a different place absolutely yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And Jess, you've been reading romance for longer than I have, but I feel like you've, when we were having that episode, you kind of ran into that too of trying to find some books that were like weren't super rapey that you had read. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Looking back. At, so, like, I, I started reading very young. So maybe like just oh, yes. didn't process it as, yep. as a, you know, 12, 13 year old, you know, picking up my mother's Jude Devereaux books and her Johanna oh, Lindsay books. And it's oh, like, God. now I'm like, wait, I think the hero of that book raped her on their wedding night. And it's like, did re- did I read that and just forget? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. When when present brain reads something that past brain read, there's a part of me that goes, "Wow, there were a lot of things that I didn't know." Well, mm-hmm. yep. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's yeah. And so like I think that has been for me one of the big lessons of just because I like a book and I enjoy it and I would recommend it to a very specific reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
doesn't mean that I would recommend it to an entire thousands of podcast listeners, right? Like it's just, yeah, that's, and it's kind of a challenge because there are even some of the books that I like that I would like to recommend. And we knocked up against this a little bit um, with, uh, it was, gosh, which Kennedy Ryan book was it? The Um, Hookshot. Hookshot. Or Um, Longshot. Longshot? Yeah, whichever the first one is. Sorry, everybody. The first one um, is Longshot. Okay. So the first one, um, Longshot, we talked about, and I don't think we did a book club on it, but we did talk about it. And I really liked it. And I think um, a lot of folks did. It's it's nominated for Rita. It's, it's actually, I think, the one that they're reading this month in the Romance Sparks Joy Book Club. And yeah. we really liked it. But it also we it it led to there's more than lot. one conversation actually about content warnings mm-hmm. because yeah. there's a lot of warnings one, in there exactly yeah and it's it's a little bit it's it's so well written she does such a great job of so many things that you want to recommend it to people but also um, and actually you know it came up a little bit because Andy J Christopher guested on our our show once when Jess uh, couldn't be on mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months back and so she was talking about context warnings content warnings in the context of that book. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that actually the content warning is really not very detailed and you wouldn't necessarily know a lot from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It Like I said, it just gets tricky because that's an author and a book that I think is great for a lot of people, but it's oh, yeah. hard to, as you were talking about, Sarah, cloak it with all of that context. Oh, yes. That is actually a book where I went to someone who I knew had read it and I was like, okay, spoil this, please. And they were like, here's what happens. And I was like, yep, nope, can't read that. Not for Sarah's. Nope, Mm -hmm. not going to happen. Can't read that because that's not a place that I can go in Mm -hmm. my reading. And I think that when you have a podcast, you sort of have to assume a very wide and general non-specific audience because you don't know who's going to be listening. Mm-hmm. And when you if Absolutely. you have if you have that connection with someone, even over email or over Twitter, like I like this book and this book and this author, oh, I know exactly what you're going to like. Like mm-hmm. if I, if somebody comes to me and says, I like really dark, emotional, angsty romance with a lot of uh, torment and emotional healing that has to happen. I'm like, okay, I know exactly what to recommend. I can't read any of these, but I know they're mm-hmm. going to work for you. With the, with the <laughs> podcast, you kind of have to be like, okay, entire planet, here are things. And that really does limit what you want to talk about because you can't contextualize every single book you're talking about. Yeah, that actually happened, I think. We were talking about non-explicit romance too. And I was trying to think, it was like, when was the last time I read a non-explicit romance? Mm -hmm. And I think I've read two this year. And it's just like, it's about, you know, personal selection. You try to, you try to read as broadly as you can, but there are also things that you don't pick up because of certain contexts that you know about. There are certain, like, there are certain preferences that we all have as readers and as people who recommend books to other people, we try to broaden that, but we still sort of fall back on our favorites, even if it's not a favorite author, just sort of a favorite type, Um, which, you know, I, as a podcast host, I've been trying to be a broader reader, but then it's like, Oh, I read these same, these new three authors, but they all write the same kind of thing that I talk about that other authors do. So it's just, it's really hard to sort of break down how to recommend to such a wide swath of listeners. Especially when you don't necessarily know who's listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. I think we definitely have 
gaps. Like Jess and I complement each other pretty well in terms of what we read, but there's a pretty significant amount of overlap in that Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And there are some things I would, I think you would back me up in saying, Jess, we're not great with like paranormal or um, science fiction, fantasy romance all the time. Right. There are some, some kind of places that we, I think both have worked to shore up, but we're not quite there. You know, we're still, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a longer process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, as long as I've been reading romance, I'm still not fluent in romantic suspense because I can't do death and entrails in my romance. Just not <laughs> mm-hmm. a thing. Entrails? Yep. Nope. Can't do it. Mm-hmm. But I also love that there are what I think of as cozy mystery romances. Mm-hmm. So there's like a light mystery. There's no entrails. There's no massive amount of blood. There's no sexual crimes. Mm-hmm. But there's there's some things going wrong that need to be investigated. I love that. That's That sounds yeah. great. Um, but the language of necessarily recommending books hasn't caught up to it because those would still be placed in romantic suspense or cozy mystery with romantic elements, which isn't always terms that people use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes it hard. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you guys start reading romance? What were your first romances that you read? I will let Jess go first because uh, she's been reading longer. <laughs> and please, well, like, this is not like a this is not like a like a like a credibility check or anything like that. I love hearing the origin stories of romance readers because everyone comes into the genre from a different perspective, and it's so interesting. It's really oh, yeah, I didn't interesting. Mean it like a, uh, <laughs> I mean like a credibility check. I just am super type A, and so I prefer like chronological uh, storytelling. <laughs> So chronologically, back in the 1900s, yeah, exactly. Back in the 1900s, just started reading. Now, um, it it was technically in the 1900s because my kids say that to me just to piss me off. (laughs) (laughs) Is that back in the 1900s, mom? Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. (laughs) There was a 19 at the beginning of the year. That's right. That's right. Um, Like I said, I was picking up my mom's romances, so I probably read romance before I had sex ed. Um, that which, is so true, <laughs> which is really interesting to think about. Um, and uh, I was picking up her Drew Devereaux books, her Johanna Lindsay books, um, that sort of historical romance. It's funny, my first two Drew Devereaux books were both like soulmate types. Which is oh, like yeah. you you meet somebody and they're your soulmate, and then something happens and they have to go back to the past or or they never existed, and you meet the person who is actually has their soul in the present, and it's like I would never pick up that book right now, but some kind mm-hmm. of way that was my entry point into romance. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> and so and that, you know I took a break to read like. Anne Rice and Amelia Peabody Mysteries in high school and that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And also a whole lot of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. Um, And then I I really sort of dove back into romance in probably um, my early 20s. When was that? Like a decade ago. Um, Because I wasn't in school anymore and I could read what I wanted. Um, So I just, and I I think I had just gotten my first e-reading device and started just sort of picking things up and seeing if I enjoyed them. And I did. So I jumped back in um, reading Beverly Jenkins and, you know, a lot of people I didn't know, I didn't know existed when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to 
expand my universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, I will say I very much appreciate that you explained what you meant by soulmate romance. Just because <laughs> for uh, the casual listener, I would have assumed that was something very different. Like, <laughs> oh, this person met their soulmate. That's nice. No, this person met the reincarnation of someone whose soul they fell in love with many years ago. I think mm-hmm. that's helpful. Um, I also, I will also say, I did not start reading romance until long after I had taken sex ed. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but I <laughs> that started to some very strange reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, so I, the folks who uh, listen to um, the When in Romance podcast will know this, but I, for some reason, I, six or seven years ago now, uh, decided that I would start going to the gym every single day, like literally every day. Uh, and so I was doing that and I was, you know, as it turns out, uh, I don't know if you all know this, the gym is super boring. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's It's boring. It's humid and there's people. Exactly. And so I was reading like magazines to pass the time and they were all from like, I don't know what season was the bachelor on in like seven years ago, whatever. All these people like I'd never heard of were in these magazines. Yes, exactly. And, uh, I'm assuming that that's true. And I, <laughs> and magazines are also super expensive. They're like six or seven dollars a magazine. It would last me 20 minutes and I would still have 20 more minutes to go on the elliptical machine. So um, all of that sounds irrelevant, but I'm, I'm getting to the actual point. I oh, no, I'm with yeah, you. I was, I was reading on a nook at the time. So one day when I ran out of magazine money, I went on to see what cheap books I could potentially read. And uh, a lot of the books on sale were romance. And so I downloaded a few with the thought of being like, oh, if nothing else, it'll give me like a fun story to tell my friends because I was one of those jerks that is super judgmental um, <laughs> about romance. And then I started to read them. And not only were these books way more interesting than learning about season 85 of The Bachelor, it was they were like feminist and female focused in a way that yep. I had not found in any other entertainment avenue, mm-hmm. like more so than movies, more so than television, more so than the other fiction I was reading. And I, I think I said this to Jess before. I remember thinking, like, somebody's been holding out on me. Like, this, what is <laughs> <laughs> no, who was it? Who like, didn't tell me? Yeah, who, who right? Am I at? Well into adulthood, I was in, I think, my late twenties, somewhere around thirty, and I was like, how is it possible? That there is, because I am absolutely a feminist, and I was like, how is there this whole subsection of culture and literature and entertainment that exists for people like me, that people like me are trained to be super judgmental of and ridicule in a lot of ways. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I eventually eventually learned that I could actually read romance from my couch, so I stopped going to the gym every day. But... but you know the the takeaway of that of that gym time ended up making me a romance reader, so still worth it. Still worth it. Mm-hmm. Totally worth it. With the idea that romance is going to center the woman, it has meant that I look, I try other genres, and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot, I forgot that we're not the center of all the other genres. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Going back now, mm-hmm. <laughs> have you tried to read elsewhere, Trisha, and been like, yeah, no, 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 I. A little bit. Yeah. Like people will, um, because so one of the great things, um, for Jess and I, that, that we should make sure that we mention is that it's wonderful to be on a podcast that is part of a larger family. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we get to podcast with book riot and we're not like out in the wilds by ourselves makes a huge difference and it makes things so much easier, but the larger book riot community reads super broadly and people will be mm-hmm. talking about this. Like, 
amazing literary fiction title or this amazing like sci-fi thing or you know whatever and I'll pick up some of these literary fiction books and I'm like I don't know I'm sure this is fine like I'll get you know <laughs> 20 pages in and I'm like there hasn't been any witty banter at all uh, <laughs> nobody has uh fantasized about the other person naked I don't I'm not sure what the what is the draw here like what are we really doing exactly. why are we here Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This yeah. woman is an object. That's boring. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I recently yeah. listened to um, My Year of Rest and Relaxation by mm-hmm. Otessa Mashve. I think oh, I said yeah. that right. Mm-hmm. So that's a first person nameless narrator who is easily the most fucked up person. But it was entirely her narrative because basically she decides she wants to sleep for a year and that's going to restart her life. And it's like she finds the worst doctor. She gets this massive collection of drugs to try to make her sleep. Uh, She inherited money so she doesn't have to work. And there's this enormous amount of privilege and wealth and ableism that's built into this narrative. And she's terrible. And she kind of acknowledges how much she's terrible. And I'm like, yeah, but she's still the center. I am here for it. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it had been some dude whining, I would have been like, nope, nope, nope. I would have noped out on page three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we could do a whole other podcast another time about like just the ways that what it says about us as a culture and a society that uh, people like me are so conditioned to be so, I mean, so many of my friends I have tried to introduce to romance and they're like, uh, eh, not really feeling it. I don't know about this. It's not really for me. Having never read any of it. I actually, yep. a friend of mine is, I'm in Boise, Idaho right now. And a friend of mine is visiting me this weekend and she read, I gave her before I left DC, a book called The Kiss Quotient by Helen Wong. Oh, uh, and very she excellent it. choice. Mm-hmm. She read it on the plane here and then she had all of these questions about romance and like what maybe she would read next and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but this is one of my friends who for seven or eight, six, however long I've been reading romance, I've been trying to sort of convert over to the genre unsuccessfully until she had a five hour plane ride and a copy of the kiss quotient. <laughs> That's nice. right. Nice. And and isn't it just devastating to think that we are inculcated to believe that us at the center of a narrative makes it substandard and to be avoided. It's Absolutely. just so bad. But when I yeah. tell people, what do you do? I run a website about romance novels. There's always this, what, what? Huh? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, Okay. Uh. It's really fun at synagogue because rabbis really don't know what to do with that answer. (laughs) (laughs) But it it eventually, because like you said, when you're part of a bookish community, you learn about all these other books. I'm still like semi-fluent. I can recommend mysteries. I can do pretty well with thrillers. I understand how much female-centered narratives are impacting other fiction genres now. Uh I told you guys, told you it was great. Mm -hmm. That leads me to be able to have a better conversation with a lot more readers, but there is still this reaction, like dudes don't even consider it. Um, The women who I know are like, yeah, no, I don't think that, like, you don't understand. It's about us. It centers us. Mm -hmm. We're great. And then then when I get to make recommendations to my friends who are gender fluid and genderqueer, and I have books to recommend that are good, that are happy, that are like delightful, it's like the best feeling. Yeah. Yes. So true. Yeah. That's yeah. I I, um, actually bought a handful of those for a friend of mine, another friend, but but my going away gift when I left DC, at least for a while was, was books. And um, (laughs) I was buying, I was trying to find some queer romance. Part of the issue though, is that a lot of it is not in hard copy. And Mm -hmm. one of my friends only reads in hard copy, but don't worry. I still managed. We figured it out. Yep. It's good. It's good. My, my favorite thing is that one of my 
sons, who is 11, has a friend who is gender exploring, I think is how uh, he puts it. And every time I see this child, I try to check in, what are your pronouns? Because they change and I want to be respectful. And I sit mm-hmm. there and I'm like, okay, you're 11. In a couple of years, I am going to give you the biggest box of books you have ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be, <laughs> so hurry up and grow older because I am waiting. <laughs> you don't understand what is coming your way. <laughs> It's weird, like that feeling of like power and like joy that comes from being able to recommend books to people. Mm -hmm. It is the best feeling. I I can't even fully describe it. Like when you recommend a book to someone that is perfect for them and they're just like, how did you know? It is the greatest (laughs) feeling. It is so lovely. It is so great. So great. So when you're reading a book and you get that sort of feeling, do you ever feel that for the podcast audience? Like, are there books where you're like, okay, we have to talk about this. This is just amazing. I can't wait to talk about this to all of the humans. Do you ever get that feeling when you're reading something that you want to earmark it for your show? I totally do. Although I also, I also, um, you know, it's what it's sort of like the, the last thing that happens because I am one of those people who has to talk about a book immediately or I'll forget everything about it. So recently... (laughs) So recently, I've been just like telling Instagram when I finish a book. (laughs) Hey, folks. (laughs) And it's just like, so I get to Instagram and then it's like the next thing is kissing books. And then it's when in romance. And I'm like, well, maybe I finally actually figured out words to say about this book now that we've gotten to the place where I have to talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to put the words in the right order now. Darn. Ugh, the worst. Um, I think for me, I tend to more flag things that I think are make book unique so that we can recommend it. Because we so rarely just recommend a book in general. This is a great book. It's a book that uh, is great because people are looking for a specific kind of recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, I, you know, what one that I know I flagged recently was um, That Kind of Guy by Talia Hibbert because she mm-hmm. has a demisexual hero, which I don't know that I've ever, I will be honest with you, I wasn't super familiar with the term demisexual until I read that book. Um, but there, you know, that makes that book unique or a Heroin, I mentioned before, we get requests for like um, characters who don't want to have children because so many books end up with an epilogue or a happy ever after where then they're pregnant or they're adopting or they're whatever. Um, so I tend to, the notes that I usually take about a book are not, are certainly, you know, what makes it good. I like the characters or I like the humor or whatever, but a lot of it is how will this fit into what somebody specific is looking for? Mm-hmm. Um which is a different kind of a way to read, but uh, for me, it hasn't diminished my enjoyment at all. Yeah, I and actually, that I I will say that I I read that way, but in reverse. I look at what I have and think of books that I can read that are going to be fall under that similar theme, or I read one book and I go, okay, I can talk about more books like this. Let's see if I have any, um, and that's sort of how I work forward especially with um with the newsletter but also if trisha or i have have mentioned a type of book like i think maybe we should be talking about arrow ace and gray sexualities soon Mm -hmm. trisha yeah yeah is that is that like a a show note for thursday jess i I, I think maybe (laughs) 
<laughs> we're getting we're knocking up upon the time where um Jess and I will start corresponding over email about our next episode. So so thanks Sarah for providing <laughs> this platform for us to begin that conversation. Appreciate it. Anytime. Not a problem. Because you're never gonna run out of things to talk about with romance. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I recently had a, a an email from a listener who told me that they figured out that they were demisexual because of romance. Because mm-hmm. they weren't comfortable with the sex scenes in a book unless the emotional work and foundation had already been in place before the sex mm. scene goes up. So <laughs> way back in the day, there used to be the zebra paperbacks and they had a postcard in the middle of the book where you could tear the postcard out and subscribe to the zebra paperbacks. These are the, these are the ones that were almost always fuchsia and teal and like the oh, water yeah. was exploding in some suggestive way on the cover. But you used sure. to be able to find a sex scene right around the postcard. It was always dead center. Oh, that's so funny. Five to 10 pages either side of the postcard. But this reader preferred when they were in the latter three quarters, like Mm. you had to work to get to the sex scene. And they said, you know, I realized I would read books where they have sex in the beginning and then that's the cause of the problem. And it made them supremely uncomfortable and really dislike the book. And the first thought was, well, I guess I'm a prude, but no, it turns out there's a word for this. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I love that romance and the plot structure of romance helps you illuminate your sexuality. And then you learn there's a whole like word for it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And the portrayal, the, the varying portrayals of sexuality in romance are slowly growing as well. So you're not ever going to run out of things to talk about. It's pretty nifty. Yeah. It yeah. Really it's Yeah. That's super cool. So is there, you would know this, you guys both would know this better than I do. There's the rumor of like the sex by 60 rule, like that by 60% of the way through the book, the couple has to have had sex. I have actually checked on my Kindle and it usually does happen that way. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me, but I didn't know that was considered a rule. Oh, I feel like I heard that on panels at like uh, RT. A couple of people would kind of joke about it. I mean, I don't think anybody yeah. uses it as a hard and fast rule. Yeah. Right. But usually uh, I, write, I will watch, I will check and see when the first sex scene happens. Like I'll check down at my percentage. What Usually I'm at 57, 58, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. 10 pages either side it. of the postcard in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No kidding. Yep. That, that, you know, it doesn't surprise me unless it's in the uh, unless it's in the cover copy. You know, they were caught in a compromising position and now they're married. Or you know, they <laughs> yeah. when, when the banging when the when the banging happens early, it's usually mm-hmm. flagged in the cover copy somehow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yep. true. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yep. So, what would you love to do with your show in the future? If, you know, time zones, money, Wi-Fi connections were no issue at all. Are there any things you wish you could do with your show? Bless I you. have no imagination. So, <laughs> I mean, that's not true. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll start Jess and maybe it will spark. Uh, Cause I know for sure you have imagination. And I was thinking about this a little bit. Um, I will say my thoughts are not super interesting or imaginative, but I um, I do wish we could have, like I said, the the conversation that we had with Rebecca was so interesting. Mm-hmm. I it's not necessarily that I want us to shift over to become a podcast that you know has authors regularly, but if we could kind of like beam someone in for like one segment about one thing, you know, because we are so reader focused and Jess and I are both readers. So we don't want to swing too far the other way. And there are also so many great podcasts, yours being the prime example, Sarah, of people who are talking with authors and interviewing them. But there is once in a while, we'll have a topic where I think it'd be super interesting just to be able to like for 15 minutes, talk with some person and get their insight and kind of move on. Um, 
I also think it would be really interesting, and we may get to this point eventually, but to do like book riot genre crossover episodes. Oh, that would be you know? so um, nifty. Where like yeah, you make like, each other read a book in your genres and then discuss. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah, gosh, like, uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So <laughs> Sharifa and Jen did a uh, an episode of SFF Yeah where they did um, sci-fi paranormal romance. And Sharifa had never read it. So Jen offered her some pretty specific examples. Um, and they read like Nalini Singh and maybe Holly Trent. It wasn't, no, it wasn't, it was Shelley Lawrenston. Mm. You know, like, so they recommended these books and that was really fun because there is so much overlap in the genres. Um, so, and you know, who knows, we may end up doing that someday. Um, but the other thing that I don't even know exactly how we would do it or how we would figure it out, but I feel like there's this sort of strange space of a type of book called that some people refer to as women's fiction, which is a a term that I hate so much that I actually wrote a piece for Book Riot called women's fiction is not a thing. (laughs) Um, But that sort of kind of contemporary romance that often is about and geared toward women. And if there was a way for us to kind of, I don't know, like loop that in, and we've done it a little bit, you know, um, we talked about the, the new Tiff Marcello book, um, uh, the key to happily ever after, which is great. Um, we've discussed some of those kinds of books, but I feel like that's a contingent of book that people don't put into literary fiction. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't get discussed that way, but it doesn't fit exactly into a genre. Um, and I don't know, I just, there are so many, uh, Beverly Jenkins writes, uh, some of that, you know, content. And I don't know, I think I wish that there was a way for us to kind of highlight some of the work being done in that realm. Mm -hmm. Um, but because it's not romance, it can be a little tricky. Um, so I don't know, maybe, who knows, someday. Um, but yeah, those are some of the things that I sometimes think about when I'm thinking about what we're doing and, and what maybe we could do next. Yeah, see, those are all great ideas. And why I often give Trisha the lead when we're recording our podcast, because she has these great ideas. And it's like, yeah, I never really <laughs> thought of that. No, it's just because you're so tired from doing the newsletter. <laughs> Jess is like, Jess is uh, all tapped out twice a week trying to put all of that together. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I can I can reach brain dead status by Thursday, but I try to actually be present. Um, no, you do an amazing. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I I don't know either. Um, the the genre crossovers are kind of cool, and like I like the idea of having like the overarching theme of a specific podcast episode. We've, we haven't really done that before. It's like today we're doing the paranormal episode because Trisha and I know nothing about it, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, it would be good to sort of explore w- other ways we can frame the podcast, um, but still manage to get all of the stuff we talk about on a regular basis. And it's really hard because like we sort of set, set up this, this framework that people are used to how to get out of the box while still holding on to it. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. So what are you reading that you want to tell people about any book you want? Have fun. <laughs> any book, any man, book. I, I will do like, half time on two different books because the books are um very different but also the authors are at very different places so the first is a book i finished a few weeks ago uh called rebel by beverly jenkins Mm -hmm. which is a wonderful book about a a woman who comes south in reconstruction era 
Um, so just post the Civil War. So she comes from New York down to New Orleans. Uh, she's a teacher. And while her fiance is away, she's going to go down to New Orleans and do some teaching. Uh, and then, you know, she meets, uh, again, I'm terrible at names. She meets a man who turns out to be a hero <laughs> and he's wonderful. And uh, all of the plans kind of fall away. But part of the reason that I, I wanted to mention it is that I think we are in such a uh, amazing place of so many wonderful new debut authors and so many romance um, writers are doing such interesting things that it would be easy for somebody like Beverly Jenkins, who is essentially, I mean, she's largely responsible for a lot of the direction that romance has taken in the last couple of decades. Like she's just done such good work. And I think people could, because she's not the new and trendy thing, books like Rebel could get left behind. But um, I, it's so good. She's just such an amazing writer and she's does so much history and research that I, I think it's worth checking out. Even if, you know, it's, um, it may not end up being the the flashiest, shiniest book that you, you come across. It's so, so good. Um, and it's a great place to start if you haven't read her books. So mm-hmm. that's one. And my other half uh, of time recommendation is a book that I just started this morning called Trashed by Mia Hopkins. Mm. So I am currently reading it and I, I, you know, I'm four or five chapters in, so I can't say much about it, but I will say that there's, it's, it's a really interesting juxtaposition to Beverly Jenkins because Mia is a, um, this is her second book and she um, was sort of, she got a little bit screwed. I'll just say it because uh, her publishing, uh, her publisher shut down six months ago or so. And so they had published her first book, Thirsty, which we did for a When in Romance book club book. Um, and her, she had now, she's now self-publishing uh, Trash, which is the next book in the series. And I love the way that she writes. And I love the way that she writes about um, sort of uh, things that you don't see a lot in romance. Her, her heroes in her first two books are both um, convicted felons who have mm-hmm. served time. Uh, they're both trying to navigate the system without a driver's license because you don't have a driver's license anymore and trying to find a new job and, you know, all of these things that romance heroes often have things kind of work out for them in a way. And these guys just have to work so hard and fight so hard. And mm-hmm. Mia is just such a great author that she's in a very different place in her career than Beverly Jenkins is. But I think she is, um, I, I hope that she continues to, to write and publish because she just has such a unique and interesting voice. And um, so far, five chapters in, Trash by Mia Hopkins. Big thumbs up for me. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds good. Sounds good. I've I've been sort of holding on to Trashed as kind of like, I will read this before it comes out, but not too far before it comes out. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, hard I think when it comes you out in July. T- yeah, it's hard when you want to talk about a book and it's like you can't because there's no one to talk about it with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll get those pre-order numbers up for uh, for trashed. But I, yeah, I do. I, that, that's a good point, Jess. I do think it comes out in July. So be ready, everybody. Yes, be ready. Um, I am reading. I'm I'm in the middle of two books right now. One I started this morning, actually, and one that I've been reading in smaller bits. Um, the one that I started this morning is Under His Protection by Laquette. It's the first book I've read of hers, although she's got a lot in a lot of different places. Um, and I remember I bought it a long time ago and I remember pimping it out, telling people to read it and then just like not being in the mood for that kind of book because the hero, it's a male, male romance and the heroes are 
um, a police officer and the district attorney that he's protecting from a group that's trying to kill him. Um, so it was like, I'm not, I'm not in the mood for cops right now. I probably picked it up when it was a time where nobody was in the mood for cops, but I was just, I was scrolling through my endless, endless um, Kindle app this morning. I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to pick that up. And I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Both of the main characters are compelling and neither of them is like that kind of man that you just don't, you, you can't with right now. You know, they're both like good people. They, they both have egos, but they're not like assholes about it. And, and you know, this it's romantic suspense with the whole, somebody's trying to kill him thing um but it's it's sort of like what you were talking about sarah there aren't dead bodies and and that kind of thing so it's yeah, no intestines no entrails yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so far and it's it's like got really good kind of family dynamics happening in the spot that i stopped reading and i'm really in love with elijah's family so i hope to experience a little more of that probably later today um and the book that i've been reading in pieces um is natalie tan's book of luck and fortune by roselle Lim, and it's a beautiful book i am really looking forward to getting really deep into the meat of it but it starts out really heavy natalie's mother dies and she has to go back and sort of deal with her grief with um being away from a community with having not spoken to her mother in years and Mm -hmm. then like all of that happening and trying to figure out what to do with her life. And then there's supposed to be a love interest coming along, like, and I haven't gotten to that part yet. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of like, I'm really enjoying Roselle Lim's writing and I'm loving the feeling of the, like the, the way that she grasps Chinatown in San Francisco and, this feeling of being a neighbor and being part of a community. Um, but then also that really deep heart, heart weary kind of grief that she's dealing with. So I'm mm-hmm. reading it in like 10, 15 page segments. Cause that's about all I can do. Yeah. On one hand, it's I'm like gonna... a sign of something really powerful in the writing. And on the other hand, it's like, Ooh, got to pace myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to selfishly ask, is there anything you're reading Sarah that you're excited about? Ooh, well, you know, all the book titles just flew out of my head. Oh, sure. So I yeah. can't tell you. All right. So let's <laughs> see. Uh, you could pull up the uh, help a bitch out segment. <laughs> see, uh, yeah. So the one yeah. with the cover that's blue and then there's a glove. Oh, perfect. That Excellent. one. Okay. Done. Gotcha. All right. So one of my favorite new historical mystery series with a pretty um, well-developing romance that continues is the Cat Holloway series by Jennifer Ashley. Jennifer Ashley wrote The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie. Oh, yeah. And then this is, I think, the the most recent one just came out last week. It's called Death in Kew Gardens, but there's three books and a novella. The novella is called A Soupçon of Poison. So if you want to get a taste of the series, what it's like, Cat Holloway <laughs> is a Victorian cook which is a weird position below stairs because it comes with a lot of authority and power, but you're still a member of the servant class. So she Mm -hmm. is um, extremely highly sought after because she was trained by a really, um, really well-known chef in London in the Victorian era. 
And uh, people just keep getting killed. It's super annoying. And she's really good at figuring out what happened, but she has very limited spheres in which she can operate because she still has to make food for everyone above stairs, plus all of the servants. And she's training people and she's got people that she has to manage and train. And, you know, she has management problems and then management problems because she has to deal with these rich people who have hired her who want ridiculous things. Like I've decided to throw a dinner party for three, 30 people tonight. <laughs> And she's got four mm-hmm. hours and she's mm-hmm. like, I have literally nothing in the house. You are all terrible. <laughs> On top of that, sure. there's murder. And it's so good because there's this wonderful blend of a romance that's ongoing between her and this character. And you're really not sure if he's like entirely trustworthy. There's food porn and then there's competence porn because mm-hmm. Kat is so competent and it just, I love it. It's like this warm, fuzzy I am in the hands of a writer who knows what she's doing, but I'm also watching and learning about a character who, even though she doesn't always know what to do, tries to make the best choice possible to care for everyone around her. So there's just sort of warm, fuzzy comfort read that comes with it, even with the murder. And there's a fair amount of murder, Um, but it's not too much. uh, There's not a lot of entrails, basically. My entrail threshold (laughs) has not been hit. So I love that book. So if you're looking for a romantic historical mystery series to try, that one is up there with uh, Veronica Speedwell and Charlotte Holmes from Sherry Thomas. Like I love those three so much. And Mm. then there's um, Her Other Secret by Helen K. Diamond, which- Oh, I have that. Okay. Smoking hot cover. And I am not a cover person. Generally, Mm -hmm. Waxed Manchester does exactly zero for me. I have never been (laughs) in the audience for the guys who have incredible muscle definition in a period of time when that wasn't really possible, plus waxing and and, and like this Mm -hmm. sort of skin gleam that I know comes. I just, I've never been a wax shiny Manchester cover person. I understand what that's communicating. This is a romance, but that's not necessarily alluring to me as a reader. But this mm-hmm. cover has Manchester, but also uh, he's got really, really like he's got glasses. I won't mm-hmm. lie. It works. I, I am not ashamed <laughs> to say that it's the addition of the glasses that's that's working for me. He's wearing jeans. He has no shirt. He's really hot. And he's got glasses. It's the glasses. Apparently, this was the secret. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. Now we know. Now you know. It's, if you just stick some glasses on some wax Manchester, I'm all good. But Helen K. Diamond writes what I think of as adventure suspense. So there's there's romantic suspense with uh, murder and intrigue. And then there's r- suspense that has a fair amount of agency on both characters. And that's what she writes. Both characters have a lot of things to do in her books. Um, and uh-huh. her heroines are always smart and smart asses, which I really like. So you might like that <laughs> one as well. So those are that's what I can recommend right that's now. And I'm about to start Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. Ah, same. But but, uh, I read a very early draft of that book. So I'm like curious to see how much I remember of having read it. So I can't review it because I read an early draft, but I'm so looking Mm -hmm. forward to rereading it. (laughs) Yeah, I've already heard great things. I'm excited about that one. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. I want to thank Trisha and Jess for hanging out with me and answering all my questions. And I want to thank you for listening because you're completely awesome. Have I told you that? You're so great. Thank you for listening to this show. You can find me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave me a message or tell me a joke at 201-371-3272. But more importantly, 
You can find the When in Romance podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on bookriot.com. And of course, I will link to it in the show notes. You can find Trisha Brown on Book Riot on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown or on Twitter at Trisha Haley, B-R-W-N. And you can find Jess Pride on Book Riot on Twitter at Jess is Reading and on her website, jessicapridepride.com. This week's episode was brought to you by Dating by the Book by Mary Ann Marlowe. After her fiancé left her at the altar, romance author and bookstore owner Maddie Hansen swore off men until an influential blogger going by the name of Silver Fox leaves a scathing review of her latest book and accuses Maddie of not knowing anything about passion. Desperate to prove him wrong, Maddie decides to pursue not one but three handsome men in her store's book club. Marianne Marlowe puts a modern spin on beloved classics like The Shop Around the Corner and You've Got Mail with a sparkling tale of romantic fiction full of flirty fun and rom-com action, perfect for fans of Jasmine Guillory's The Wedding Date and Sally Thorne's The Hating Game. Dating by the Book by Marianne Marlowe is on sale wherever books are sold. Find out more at kensingtonbooks.com. The podcast transcript this week is brought to you by the wonderful people in the Patreon community. Thank you, y'all. If you would like to join the community, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Your support means a tremendous amount to me and helps keep the show going, making sure that every episode is accessible to everyone. And thank you, Garlic Knitter, for transcribing all of the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at sassy outwater this is called fishing at orbust and it is by the peat bog fairies from their album dust you can find all the things peat bog at their website peatbogfairies.com or you can find this album on itunes if you wish to buy it and have it for your very own i will have links to the episodes that we talked about to the when in romance podcast and the other podcasts that they mentioned as well as all of the books we mentioned in this episode and wow we're there a lot in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast But before we go, I have a bad joke. I love it. It's bad joke season. I'm really excited. Are you ready for this terrible joke? It's super bad. I'm really excited. What are the best vegetables to sleep under? What are the best vegetables to sleep under? Canopies. I can hear my kids groaning if I email them this joke, which I did earlier today. <laughs> that is from probably a throwaway 15 on Reddit. Thank you, wonderful person, for posting this terrible joke. Can of peas. <laughs> we will be back next week with more podcasts and more things. Romance at smartpitchestrashybooks.com. But in the meantime, on behalf of all of us, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you back here next week. <laughs>